Yo, 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 it's Josh. What's good? It's your boy Darius. What's happening? It's Matt. And you are now tuned in to the Dominate the Decade podcast. Let's go. I'm trapped in. I'm trapped in. I know it. Hey. I know I'm trapped. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. I know I'm trapped. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Look. I heard my nigga talking about me. Whisper getting close. Uh, nigga same breaking bread. I don't even know you. Uh. All right. Well, hey. So what's up, guys? How y'all doing, man? Doing pretty good. What, you, what about you, Darius? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm just chilling. So. Y'all had a good um, 15 days after Juneteenth. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah, Malia's, Malia Obama's birthday was a move. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy because, you know, usually everybody out celebrating 4th of July cookouts and stuff. You definitely saw people on the grill, but yeah. it was definitely a different feel yeah. to this 4th of July than most. Yeah, I would say it felt pretty weird for me. I mean, I still grilled and everything. I love to grill. I actually grilled twice yesterday. Had some trouble on the grill, honestly. Um, but it was different because it's like, what am I celebrating, you know? Like, yeah. ha- having this new form knowledge. Um, and you kind of feel bad about celebrating something that isn't really for you, but hey, traditions kind of take a while to die down. So love me some good, uh, grilled food. So, hey, let's just say we grilled. Yeah. Especially cause it's like so routine. And I think one of the videos we shared in the story was saying like this, this holiday is not for us. We, we, we did not become free on this day. Yeah. And so when it makes you think about that. It's like, well, I guess I, like I said, we already had our celebration. Facts. Yeah. Uh, like you, Josh. I mean, I I got on on the grill a little bit, uh, which I typically don't do. Uh, what y'all was cooking? So, we had what hot dogs, hamburgers, ribs, uh, some Roger Woods sausages. Shout out to the Roger Woods. Mm. Uh, I made some macaroni and cheese. Uh-oh. So I was doing big things yesterday. Ooh. Uh, got the got my grandma's seal of approval on the mac and cheese. So can't nobody tell me nothing right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was great, and I mean. It definitely did feel different because we weren't necessarily celebrating independence, so to speak. Uh, but it definitely did just feel like a day where I could just be, you know, with my family, with yeah. the people that I love and just celebrating each other. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily the occasion itself. Um, and also a day that we can kind of just think back on the fact that, you know, our ancestors weren't free. Mm-hmm. Um, and have some of the tougher conversations that I don't think our country has really started to have. Uh you know, regarding, you know, what it means to be independent, what it means to live in, you know, the richest nation that the, you know, the the world has ever seen, uh, but still have so many people like disproportionately poor because of things that have happened in the past, mm. uh, that we haven't taken responsibility for, uh, things that, you know, we still don't hold people accountable for. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen, you know, the protests and stuff at like the Mount Rushmore, uh, by native American peoples and, uh, you know the other people that are there uh but yeah it's just a lot of different things are going on a lot of people are having some very important conversations right now too yeah i feel like we're just in a weird time like nothing feels right and i know that should be normal by now 2020 has been a year of not feeling like normal but it's still weird to to think about hmm these things that we're so used to doing like we should, probably shouldn't be doing them anymore we probably shouldn't even be celebrating or doing anything for july 4th but it fell on a saturday this year so had friday off i, I know a lot of people had friday off but um i did I, not know BTW, i did not know that a lot of people like get the day of fourth of july off and then usually if it's on what do you know okay so if the fourth of july is on a saturday a lot of people get friday off yeah yeah i had no idea about that yeah. i was like wait when did this start happening Cause everybody was off. like what y'all doing yeah i guess it's been a little while since it fell on like a weekend yeah. but i mean it makes sense you don't want like a holiday 
quote unquote holiday to go to waste where it's just like, oh, you just had another day. <laughs> hey, three day weekends are always nice though. I hope that's one lasting thing from uh from Miss Corona that three day weekends are the new normal now because yeah. they are just too nice, man. I love them. <laughs> yeah, Monday what, Monday through Thursday. Yeah. And Friday. I guess we have a trip scheduled for the weekend, you're gonna get a head start. Exactly, exactly. But uh man, a lot of stuff went on this weekend. Uh I think the uh the most monumentous was Kanye dropping late last night about he's entering the 2020 election. And I know there's been some talk behind that. He said that back in 2015, like he wanted to uh, run in 2020 and kind of fell off, kind of, I guess people took it as a joke or whatever. Um, but he announced last night, I don't know if it's officially official, but he did announce last night, and people have been talking about it all day today. Um, so I thought that was interesting. What did y'all think about that? It's crazy for me to think Twitter is so big now. Like obviously, our president tweets all the time. Like People announce they're running for president. I yeah. guess it's, a, it's an easy medium to get out to the masses. But when I saw it, I was like, is he joking? Because, yeah. you, you know, Kanye is the king of publicity. So it's like, okay, now maybe more people buy Yeezys. Maybe have the clothing line is going to drop. Maybe have his new album that's going to. Yeah. And then I see some other people, Elon Musk and those guys kind of, oh, he has my full support. I'm like, yo, is this really going to happen? Another thing Kanye will go to accomplish, and we'll see if he becomes successful. Yeah, um, so I saw a tweet earlier that said that he hasn't, I think, registered with the right, you know, office to actually run for president. Yeah, I saw that too. So it's highly possible that Kanye is just being Kanye and is just trolling the world, basically, uh, which I really hope he is. I, just, I don't think I could ever even fathom a world where, like, Kanye West is running for president. Kim Kardashian might be first lady. Oh, oh man. My um, <laughs> <laughs> and he'd probably pick, I don't know. Like Kid Cudi or somebody to be <laughs> one of his artists to sign with yeah. the label. <laughs> oh man, he, seemed... he might rewrite the national anthem though. So I give him that one. That's yeah. the only reason I would be in support of it. That sounds pretty fire. A Kanye <laughs> West and the national anthem that might be uh, worth it. But I do think, on a serious note, that there's a lot of uh, turmoil going on right now, and a lot of, I guess, people are just uncertain. Like. Of course, we're all like, oh, is he actually mm -hmm. telling the truth? Is this actually what he's doing? Um, and I remember whenever he announced, I think he did that in 2015, like he had an album coming album coming out. I think he said he was going to um, launch in 2016, like the presidential election. Because that was St. Pablo, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> but you never know if he's doing it just for like the publicity and he's a polarizing guy. But... I think it opens up a lot of different questions, a lot of interesting questions where this two-party system kind of comes into play about being the right thing and uh, being beneficial for everyone. I know the main backlash that I have seen so far on social media is that, oh, don't vote for Kanye because he's going to take votes away from Biden. That's what I've seen a lot like, of. I was going to mention that. And that's been the whole thing about this isn't a joke, this is serious, like, you need to take this serious. And I'm all for taking things serious, but I do question why that is the major focus of having someone else run. It's like, oh, you just don't want to take away from this person over here. Like, shouldn't that person be able to hold their own okay. against anyone that's coming up? Like, if that person is such a strong candidate. See, I'm not the type of person who likes to vote for the lesser of two evils like i made a pact with myself that i'm not going to vote for anybody that i don't agree with so i was already planning on writing in someone yeah that, whether that's effective or not i don't know but mm -hmm. it it 
holds well with me and I'm allowed to like have my conscience sit well like oh I voted for somebody who I think made the most change or could make the most change but I understand where people are coming from saying that it could take away from Biden or it could it's basically a vote for Trump I don't agree with that but I, I try to be understanding of when people say stuff like that but I know that was the main criticism of that yeah that was the main one I heard too and I'm like ooh that but now that you bring that up that's a good that's a good way of thinking it's like yo I don't agree with anybody else I'd rather write somebody in to have a clear conscience on it yeah. I've also heard I was just thinking about it I saw it on Twitter like I said I don't cite my sources from Twitter but I just see some crazy stuff it's like I bet if somebody from another country like tunes into what we got going on in America <laughs> it's like wait hold on hold on so he is running for president now. He was supporting Trump not too long ago, but yeah. we've seen that he had like a underlying narrative, probably not yeah. narrative, but he had an underlying goal to probably do that. And now he has like a, so technically in this country, he has a chance to be able to do so. I also saw in other countries, it's too. I mean, in other states, certain states, it's too late for him to be put on the ballot or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. I'd actually hoping uh, Darius, who is also hopefully going to be running for president, so, has, yeah. <laughs> would have more information on that. But yeah, like as an, another country, I'm just wondering, like, what do they got going on over there in America? Like they they really just can't. And it, because Twitter is obviously a global thing. And if they could read the language, it's like, yo, what, what is going on over there in the States? Yeah, uh, that kind of takes me back to the conversation we were having the other day about uh, Bernie. Yeah. Um, and so there are several political candidates. Obviously, there are a lot of them who ended their campaigns. Uh, but there are several others of them who have suspended their campaigns. And there's a difference between the two. Mm. Uh, because to end their campaign, it's just like, all right, you know, we thought it through. I don't think I would be a good president, so I'm going to just, you know... Don't, don't vote for me, <laughs> yeah. so on and so forth. Uh, then there are other people who suspended their campaigns. It's just like, look, I would still very much like to be president, think I would be good at it, uh, but I currently don't have you know, the finances or just generally the support to do it. Uh, and so I'm just like not going to pursue you know, constantly going out and like campaigning you know, with people or campaigning to raise more money. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still a viable option as far as like people who you can choose. Um, and so that's always an option because, like, there were plenty of more qualified candidates. Uh, and I mean, I'm not going to specify. This isn't a political podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do your own research as to like who that person is for you. Uh, but yeah, there were plenty of other qualified people, depending on like what your qualifications or what you look for in a president are, uh, but which are still very much viable options, like I was saying. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to do this thing where you vote for the lesser of two evils. Because uh, I saw one tweet. Uh, it was like, okay, so we really have to choose between rapist number one, rapist number two, and slavery was a choice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, don't let that don't let that deter you from you know picking somebody who you think would be better. Yeah. So this suspended versus like canceled. Do you know who has suspended their campaigns? So I was trying to find that out. I know Bernie suspended his campaign because that's that's just who me and uh, Matt just happened to be talking about. Um, But what I can do is by the time this podcast comes out, I will have a list and I will post that for you uh, and do due diligence with that. That's perfect. Yeah, that would be a a great resource because this uh, write-in option is looking more and more appealing by the day. Now that you said that, wait, I'm still, Bernie's still hope. Yeah, and I feel like the write-in option is always looked down upon and i i do agree that it isn't always effective like those total i i think i saw uh i think i saw a tweet or a post on instagram saying 
like these border states that in the 2016 election Trump won by maybe like a couple thousand yep. votes like the third party the people who voted third party it was like a hundred thousand people so I do see it as something that could make a difference but if those people didn't want to vote for either of the people it's like well there should be another option you know so I just kind of think about what would it be like if third third party or having a third party or having that write-in option was more like looked at and more people viewed that as an option what would our elections look like how would things change at all yeah one thing i was listening to killer mike talk about it's like we just got as a like as black people really specific we just gotta get get away from being married to a specific party yeah because in that case it's like you're not even really looking i'm not and i do not if you do that that's fine like do what you gotta do but you're not even really like listening out completely what everybody has to say you're kind of going in no matter what that person's agenda is and you're voting for that person specifically so that being said really would like to explore okay let's look at the writing of let's look at some different ways so therefore you're not just going into this thing no matter who is there no matter what they're saying we're voting for you yeah that's gonna be the end all be all and that was the thing with kanye that i feel like was very uh misinterpreted like he was riding the trump train so to say uh for a little bit there but what ended up coming out a little bit later was that he was kind of using that to not only break free of this married to one political party or the black uh culture being automatically democrats no matter what but also using being able to be connected with trump i know he did a uh he met with him in the oval office um and then kim kardashian she did a lot of different stuff too especially with like freeing people from prisons uh so using that relationship and using those ties to i guess kind of expedite a a mission or like have an ulterior plan so in that i look at it like man maybe that was beneficial maybe he just went around and did things differently than how it normally would be done so i'm like okay maybe i can give you a little flack there and i'm all for like the free thought that he was kind of preaching so uh i don't think he is as bad as people try to chalk him up to be yeah i think kanye is one of those people He's known for playing chess when other people are playing checkers. Yeah. And so a lot of people just don't understand his moves until it's like years later and people can be like, oh, Kanye was actually right about that. But of course, it's popular to hate Kanye for a lot of things too, so no one would ever actually admit that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just think, you know, a lot of people, and I think social media really feeds into this. You know, we hate who I think Twitter tells us to hate. We love who Twitter tells us to love. Yeah. And, you know, it's not popular to think beyond that. I'm pretty sure it's kind of like the spiral of silence, and, and nobody really likes to go against it. Yeah. And that's kind of like the whole entire thing. It's easy if everybody's beating up somebody, you beat them up too. You going about your business, but whenever because if you step out against that person, well, you're gonna have to take that flight just like that person is. Yeah. And it just so happens that Kanye just seems like a strong. I know, I know he has had his mental breakdowns and stuff, yeah. but for the mo- for the amount of contrast that he receives, he's strong enough to be able to be like, okay, I'll take it in stride, and y'all see at the end of the day yeah. what I was planning to do. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of his whole persona is like, I'm mentally strong enough to take y'all coming at me. Like, I, I mean, I get you all are fans or I get you all are people with valid opinions, but that opinion doesn't have anything to do with me. Right. I'm going to still do what I want to do at the end of the day. And that's what I like about him because he has had so many different phases, so many different uh, personality switches over his career. And like you were saying, it's, sometimes it seems like he's just 
playing chess and literally I, I go back and watch videos from um from early on this decade where he's like talking about things how things will be uh i think one thing uh that he mentioned was he was like man drake is gonna end up like running the game like five years from now and like they were joking and everything this was in like 2013 and obviously you see how drake is now uh so that's one of the things i watch those videos i'm like man he he says I literally feel like I'm 10 years ahead. And then you look at the date of the video and then it's like, wait, this is seven years ago. Like he's saying all the things that are like going on now. So it's like, he, in my opinion, is a visionary in multiple different, different lanes. Maybe not all lanes, but definitely some lanes. What is he say? He's like, I'm stuck in the right now. It's like, I'm I'm so excited about what is to come next, but I'm stuck in the right now. And I could kind of, no, obviously not Kanye West, nowhere near a billionaire. But it's like I can kind of see where he's coming from with that. It's like I'm so ready for some of these dominoes to fall into place, but in certain situations you just have to let things play out. Yeah, and that's not to say that like we're in support of everything Kanye West is. Uh, yeah, definitely. I need not. to put a disclaimer on that because I know <laughs> things can get like misconstrued. But like Kanye's been right about a lot of things too. Yeah, you know, like I said before, it's just popular to hate him, so people do. <clears throat> yeah, and. I think people are mainly scared of Donald Trump 2.0. Obviously, yeah. wasn't qualified to lead the country, whether he did a good or bad job. <laughs> like I said, this is not a political podcast. But uh, that polarization of this person not being qualified, not having spent time doing the studies behind everything, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, no, not this again. Not just this person. <laughs> not just this person that... Uh, has this popularity or anything we want somebody that is actually going to steer the country in the right way so whoever that is if you think that is either trump or biden i'll say it again this is not a political podcast but i just think this is me personally i think we need some more options in there so i'm all for anyone jumping in at this point because the people that are there i'm like i'm good on y'all yeah. <laughs> that's just how i i'm feeling don't y'all think it's crazy that at one point, you know, to lead the country, you maybe have had to been a, a leader of the military, yeah. been well qualified. Now, sometimes they come up and be like, you know, it's a popularity contest. Yeah. yeah. You get the clicks, you get the people to like you and stuff like that. But what you said about the whole Donald Trump 2.0, I do think that's a major thing. It's like, I don't care what happens. It's like, we cannot have this guy back yeah. in office. And I feel like most African-Americans, probably a lot of different races too. I'm just speaking of African-American, clearly, because that's what I am. It's just like, uh-uh, I swear I don't like Biden that much. Yeah. But I swear I can't have Donald. So I heard somebody call him Donald. I can't <laughs> have Donald back in office anymore. And it's crazy how, like, that switch because I know a lot of people that I talked to, you know, in 2016 were just like, oh, well, I'm tired of having, like, politicians in office. Yeah. And so, like, Donald's not a politician, so, like, let's give him a shot. And I'm just like, so you want someone who's not a politician to, <laughs> to hold be the highest po- political office? <laughs> <laughs> to be a politician. <laughs> to have nuclear launch codes and just have the ability to use them at any moment's notice. You want the person who goes off on anyone on Twitter to have that information and that power. Mm. Okay. Leave leave that out to you, man. But I think it's very telling of our culture, our society, that we're even having these problems. We're even having these things come up where literally celebrities are deciding for us where our future is and like where we go as a people. And I just think it's it just shows the flaws in our system where it's 
either celebrities are put on this pedestal of hey they know everything just because they make good music yes. like that's that's not an equivalent of a good leader especially a good leader for an entire population i feel like mm-hmm. but i also think it just shows we we really take things as a joke sometimes um and Adarius, you were mentioning back to 2016 where people were like hey i, I don't mind you know i remember like distinctively that whole trump thing was like a joke yeah literally yep. <laughs> like at the start it was a joke like people were like oh yeah donald trump 2020 20 uh we're we're about to be in there everything was a joke until more media coverage came um more people started talking about it Le- uh, more people started dropping out of the races then it ends up being donald trump versus hillary and you're like oh man like it's a 50 50 chance presumably uh and you're like man where are we at as a as a society right now that this ends up happening and seems like we're back there again four years later yeah yeah then obviously that night come you heard a lot of older people say they got sick like once they saw that the election mm-hmm. was as close as it was and then the, the knockout punch as well was whenever they to hillary had the emails right was that like the knockout punch hillary's right? emails was a thing like the whole yeah whole time and okay. technically hillary did win the popular election but because of the electoral college the way that that's set up, that just ended up screwing over in the end. Could you explain that? I know you can't give the whole crash course, but I, hey, we're trying to inform and inspire some uh, uh, this information. Uh, actually, yes. Yeah, since, since since it was July 4th, let's just go ahead and go all the way back to the beginning. All right. <laughs> all the way back. So, uh, the Electoral College was set up basically because the Founding Fathers didn't think that the American people were, for lack of a better phrase, smart enough to pick the right person. <laughs> so, they're just like, okay, cool. Well, we'll just have this group of people... Uh, called the electors who will actually pick, you know, the person who becomes president. Uh, So the way that it works is that it's based off of the way that states vote, but that gets a little tricky. So some states have it to where, uh, I'll use South Carolina, for example. I'm not saying that this is the way that it's set up. I'm just using that as a state. Some states are set up to where the amount of electoral college votes that a state sends toward picking the president is representative. So if 45% of South Carolina residents vote for Joe Biden and the other 55% go to Donald Trump, uh, then that means 55% of our electoral college votes will go to Donald Trump in like the general election mm. and 45 will go to Joe Biden. Other states have it to where it's like a winner takes all sort of thing. So if it's the same breakdown, you know, 55% to Donald Trump, 45 to Joe Biden, 100% of our electoral college votes go to Donald Trump because he just won the majority. Mm. Uh, and so that just screws people over because, like, you know, there was still a significant portion of that state that didn't want Donald Trump to be president, yeah. but they just get screwed over because they just live in a state where that's how their electoral college votes are broken down. Yeah. Ouch. Yo, that is interesting. I never even knew that. And I knew how, or I thought I knew how the electoral <laughs> system worked. Like, I knew that it kind of went based off of the total population, how they voted in that particular state. But I didn't know there were certain states that split it up that way. Mm-hmm. So that makes a, it doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah. It makes a lot more sense that you break it down like that. But that just opens up more doors to say, what is up what? with the system? <laughs> what is up with the system? So that's how somebody can win the popular election, but lose the overall election. Wow. Like Hillary won by like, I think a couple mil. Yeah, I think what? so. Like it, it really, it was close, but it kind of wasn't close. Yeah. But Donald Trump won the 
the electoral college and he got the presidency. Yeah. It happened again with, uh, I believe it was George Bush is like the latest. Al Gore, right? Yeah. 2000. I think that was yeah. 2000 because they, uh, that infamous uh, Florida recount, I believe. Yeah. So, exactly. man, this whole system, hey, that's two times in the last 20 years where it's like, oh, man, this system is not it. But, sheesh, that is some new knowledge you dropped on All right because there. George Washington and the boys didn't think we were smart enough to pick the right person. Wow. That's insane. See, I knew we needed this breakdown of it. Y'all come to the, uh, for any other questions, by the way, since we talked about it, for any questions about political science, hit my guy Darius up on Twitter. Darius, please at your name. What is it? Oh, this is at like one Darius. Okay, cool. That's on Twitter. Is it the same one? Instagram Uh, Instagram is just like underscore. No. What am I doing? (laughs) Instagram is just underscore a Darius. Okay, yeah. So if you ever have any questions, comments, concerns, please hit the man up. Directly. Don't don't hit the podcast Instagram (laughs) because it'll come to my phone and I'll be like, ooh, send it straight to a Darius. So just hit the man directly. That's a tough one. That's a tough one for sure. So we always appreciate that Darius breaking that down for us. Uh, So also, we all, all just finished up the autobiography of Malcolm X. Yeah. So we all obviously had our different takes from it one of the things that i thought was crazy about it was that he literally predicted a hundred percent correct of how we would view him later on after yeah. he had died and also that his uncle he said it ran his in his blood kind of as far as like the males in his family to be killed by the white man you had his uncles like four of six i think one was lynch yeah. his dad and then him and it's like yo and he predicted how we would view him so yeah. and his death i always think i know i'm saying a lot right here like i must i'm not gonna say it Obviously, his wife was very empowered, but it's like, yo, this guy was basically telling you. He was telling us all the time, I'm probably going to die a hard death. Yeah, yeah. It's like, she knew it, and they had how many kids? They have like four kids, man? Four, I think. I think four. It's like, four. so I'm, there's a high chance I'm going to have to, you know, have these kids by myself whenever he passes on, but mm-hmm. obviously his teachers will continue to live. So that's yeah. just something that I thought it was crazy. Yeah, I thought ending the book like that, it gave me chills a little bit because he was perfectly explaining how the school system would label him yep. how history would remember yep. him and i was reading that it's like the last two pages of the book or whatever i was reading that i was like man this dude was literally telling us hey this is what they're gonna do uh this is how they're gonna do it and this is what they're gonna say so it's up to you if yep. you want to believe that or not um but i'm just telling y'all now literally in 1965 he was telling people <laughs> yeah. like this is how they're gonna paint me out to be and then you see it now and you ask anyone on the streets, like, hey, tell me about Malcolm X. And they're like, oh, man, just this violent guy. Like, all this different and stuff. And black folk, too. Yes, yeah. definitely. Bro, we'd be the main ones. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And I think the thing that's crazy to me is, like, placing the book in, like, the whole historical context, he died before the book was released. Yeah. So, like, yeah. He, we, we keep saying that, like, he predicted it. Like, he was, like, literally only a couple months off from dying. Yeah. Because at one point, I remember even says, like, this would be the last of the narration part. Mm-hmm. He was saying this would be the last birthday he would see. What age did he die? 39, 40? 39. Yeah, 39. him and uh, Martin died at 39. Yeah. Wow, they yeah. even reached their 40s. Yeah. Always makes you think they continued to live, like, what would have what would happen. And when he was talking about his death, too, there were so many people that were after him. Yeah. The guys who were the Muslims that, that he said at one point that if he knew that if a Muslim felt like... We, we, we love Muslims. We felt like if a Muslim uh, felt like Allah was calling him to do that, he would do that. Yeah. He was saying the black man that, well, how do you describe the black, the black man that has been paid by the white man to kill me could do that? He said the white man. So it's like, yo, there's yep. a lot of different people who are on my neck and like living knowing that there's fines and people want your head. Yeah. yeah. I bet that was tough to, to live through. And 
not knowing who you could trust. I know one of the things that was in the uh, documentary was saying how the FBI like planted people within his circle, like bodyguards and different mm-hmm. stuff. So he he really couldn't know who was with him, you yeah. know, besides like the people that are literally in that circle with him. Like probably his wife was probably his biggest confidant honestly yeah, he's yeah. like hey you're the only person in this world I that trust. i can fully yeah. trust and man that's just something tough to deal with yeah i think i saw i watched the who killed malcolm x documentary series on netflix and getting back to that point like he had you know people that were close to him his right hand man his literal personal bodyguard was an fbi agent no. and so after he got shot you know, the FBI agent, he goes up and is, like, trying to do CPR. He got in trouble for trying to do CPR later. And wow. they're just like, what are you doing? Like, because they saw pictures of him. I think he was on Jet Magazine of him being over Malcolm X's body trying to do CPR. And they're just like, what are you doing? Like, he got morning. shot. You should have just left. Yeah. I'm like, y'all didn't care for that man in the slightest. Dog, that's so demoralizing to hear about. That's, like, the same thing hearing about uh, Martin Luther King uh, surviving that initial shot yeah. and then like being strangled to death in the hospital it's like man these people even though they were literally assassinated they still had a chance yeah. to live yeah. and yeah. knowing they were so young both of them were 39 years old like I think it's crazy to even think about that and it's hard for us to fathom that just given the historical context of it all where it's like oh Martin Luther King is this monumentous person. Malcolm X is this monumentous person. But these people weren't even, like, halfway through their lives yet. Like, they made all this change in a specific amount of time. Both of them probably understood, I'm not going to be here too long. You know, like, they're about to get me out of here ASAP. So just thinking about the things that they did while they were on this earth at such a young age and the level of change that they brought about it's like man that that's really sad that's really sad to lose that's really sad to see happen and it's like i just wish things were different i'm really glad you brought up martin luther king point because this is what i kind of wanted to ask y'all so what do y'all think was like one of the main differences between malcolm x approach and martin luther king's that's so definitely I, a question for it there <laughs> i think it really centered on the nonviolence piece uh and this is another point about both of them that gets misconstrued so, like, Martin was very much, you know, the civil disobedience, you know, going to the lunch counters, doing the sit-ins and stuff. You know, if you are presented with violence, don't respond with violence. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, Ma- Martin, not Mal- Mar- Jesus Christ, Malcolm was not necessarily the domestic terrorist that, you know, the American education system paints him out to be. Mm-hmm. The domestic terrorist he predicted that they would paint him out to be. Uh, he wasn't pro like okay let's just go out and just like burn stuff down beat people up or whatever just unprovoked basically but he was much more like all right well we'll do the sit-ins we'll do the civil disobedience but if you hit me i'm gonna hit you back yeah like that was the difference uh and he felt like you know people like martin and like uh a philip randolph and like all these other people were like uncle tom's basically because you know (laughs) they were just letting black people get their heads bashed in yeah uh which, I mean, and Martin had his reasons for doing that the same reason Malcolm had his reasons for, like, you know, wanting to go the more self-defense route mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to, you know, like I said before, the more militant domestic terrorist route that people paint him out to, like, wanted to go to. Yeah. Mm, and okay. I think uh, going off of your point also where there's a point in the book where he says 
he would be for anyone defending themselves. He said uh, if a black man came up to a, a white woman or a white man and was trying to physically attack them and that white person has a gun, he would advocate for the white person to shoot the black person who's trying to harm them. And he said people wouldn't have a problem with him saying that. But when the situation is reversed and it's, oh, if a, a white person is coming up to you or anyone of that matter and you have the means to protect yourself, do that. And that's where people like are like, hey, this guy is all for violence. And he's like, no, I'm just for protecting yourself, having the same equal rights. Um, so back to your question about the differences between the two. I would say, at least for the beginning, what I got from the book, and this is something that I definitely learned, uh, his stance was more so instead of wanting to integrate into the system it's like nah like let's get our own system we don't want to be in this system with you all like y'all y'all want to be by yourselves okay be by yourselves we're going to be by ourselves we need to focus on building up our community and supplying ourselves with all these different things so i feel like the main flack he had with martin luther king was like yo you, you can do all this different stuff to try to integrate but you can put the same energy into putting it into our community and helping us and uh, lifting us up and building a community between us as a people. So that's what I felt like the main differences were. And Malcolm made a point whenever he started his own organization, was it like under the Islam umbrella? Uh, so it was... Nation of Islam. I don't think it was Nation of Islam. Uh, his The mosque that he started, is that what you're... Yeah, it was like, okay, after the... It was home... Islamic, but it wasn't Nation of yeah, Islam. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because it was after he went to the Mecca, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so he was saying that because the white people are like, how can we join? He's like, no, 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 these are for black people. Yeah. He's like, but what you can do is like, because we are not the racist, go out and get other white people to mm-hmm. join that organization and then y'all go like kind of get at the yeah. racist and kind of help them understand us. But from yeah. this, y'all can financially support us. Mm-hmm. But for this, this is kind of about building our black community. Yeah. And I thought that was a really, really interesting take. And he even said, he said, because a lot of times uh, by, by bringing in uh, Caucasians, mm-hmm that it would slow down the progress. Mm, He's yeah. like, we're, we're making tremendous progress and we just need to focus on this. And he had another thing. I can't quote it verbatim, so I don't want to say it. But what were you going to say? Uh, I think another key difference, too, is the demographics that, like, uh, kind of attach themselves to, like, both of them's, like, rhetoric, so to speak. Uh, so Martin definitely appealed more so to, like, and this was a criticism that Malcolm had of Martin, was the fact that he appealed more to, like, older, upper class, upper to middle class, like, black people who weren't necessarily confronted with obviously confronted with racism but not necessarily in the same way that like younger people were or like poor people were versus Malcolm who you know obviously he has a background you know he was a gangster like you know did all the stuff that you know would disqualify him in most people's eyes from being the leader of the movement yeah uh so but he had that background and that enabled him to speak you know with people just like regular people on the street in a way that Martin probably couldn't uh, so he appealed more to like you know the lower socioeconomic class people and it's just younger people in general. Uh, the hustlers, what he called them. Exactly, yeah. um, and I think he actually talked about that in the book. Like yeah. he and one of the the preacher type people were like you know walking down the street or whatever, and like some one of the hustlers came up, and him and Mal him and Malcolm had like a full conversation in just slang that the preacher couldn't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I think that's another key difference. They just. They appeal to two different demographics of people. Yeah, uh, I think uh, you could kind of classify Martin as a man of the people and then Malcolm as a man of the streets. Yeah, so, <laughs> That's what it kind of seemed like to me. So uh, 
how much of a factor do y'all think their upbringings and background played into their philosophy? Because me, I think it played a huge part. Yeah, I think it plays a huge part. And just being able to understand people, know what to say to kind of get them to come out. Because mm-hmm. a lot of cases, and even with information, I've noticed people feel alienated. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's that talk. I, I don't understand all that, so I'll just stay away to completely. A lot of people aren't really trying to get learn a little bit more. And it's not even their fault. Maybe that's just not been introduced in their upbringing. But with Malcolm growing up in that, it's like I literally know what it's like to be that kid so yeah. I can speak to him. And meanwhile, Martin was a little bit different. Uh, did he come from more? I think he had graduated with something like sixteen or whatever. Yeah, his yeah. dad was a preacher. Yeah, so it was like completely different upbringings. Yeah, Martin, his dad was a preacher. Uh, lived, stayed in church his entire basically life. Uh, also, he went to college at a very, very young age. Yeah, I think he graduated yeah. by the time he was like fifteen. Yeah, Morehouse. Um, I know he did his undergrad at Morehouse. Got it. And then that I think he crazy to think about. Bro. Yeah, yeah. I think he went to seminary like up north somewhere. Okay. Uh, versus, and I think this also gets to the point. Like Martin's childhood, I think was much more stable. Yes, yeah, for sure. Versus Malcolm, who like lost his father at a young age. His mom was institutionalized. He went from basically foster home to foster home, split up his family. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of reflects itself in the rhetoric because, you know, Martin, coming from a very religious background, he hears stories about, you know, Jesus, like, turning another cheek or whatnot. Uh, and so he adopted that into his, like, you know, civil disobedience and his philosophy versus Malcolm, who's just like, every man in his family basically was killed by the KKK. Yeah. And so he grows up as like, all right, they killed every man in my family, but you won't kill me. So, yeah. like, yeah. He naturally, you know, takes on this much more like self defense approach. And he even calls the religion the he calls Christianity the white man's religion. Yeah. So that's the complete difference. Whereas one of uh, Martin was a preacher and to preach the gospel. So. Yeah, I thought it was cool uh, how his philosophy on white people in general kind of changed through yeah. his uh, yeah. trip to Mecca. I thought that was one of the me- most uh, eye opening parts of the book, where he was able to travel to. Um, the Mecca and where exactly is this dude either y'all know um, I know I it's, it's called Mecca okay <laughs> that, <laughs> makes sense. that makes sense um, I know it's in the Middle East definitely need to do a little bit more uh, education there but he said through his, his travels there and all over uh, Africa and different parts of Europe he saw especially within the Islamic religion that no matter if they were black or white if we are of the same religion, I see you as equal, and yes. we're we're brothers. And he he uh, said that whenever he came into contact with this guy, this white guy who looked white as day, blue eyes, blonde hair, everything, and he looked out for him as if he was literally his brother. And so his philosophy kind of changed from "Hey, the white man is the devil" to "No, we can all be this loving species." It's just over in America, we have this different philosophy of how life should go. And it's something that has stemmed down from multiple, multiple centuries of this system being in place. So whenever he came back from Mecca to uh, America, and he was literally like, as soon as he got off the plane, they were like right in his face asking him about all this different stuff. And it's just like, bro that's probably such a culture shock like you go from over here being received well like treated like another person and then you get back literally on the same earth it's like you go to a different earth honestly and you experience what you're used to and what you grew up in and your place that's called home that 
that's OD for me. Yeah, I think he even said it's like in some of those other countries. Once the the people over there found out the uh, higher uppers over there, they kind of treated him like a king. He had drivers set up where he could travel at any time and go around. And you get back to these fifty states, yeah. and the fifty reporters are there, and they're asking you about some things that you said, the letters that he wrote. They're kind of trying to break it apart, kind of tear you down a little bit more. You know, you get back to this country, you got FBI agents planted yeah. in your circle. Did y'all hear about whenever the guys tried to blow up his car? Yeah. But they decided not, the guy decided not to do that. But it's like, that could have very well been the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. But in, this is your homeland, too. Mm. I think, and that that brings up a really interesting point to me. Because it's like, all right, it was after he had this whole spiritual revelation. Like, all right, you know, white people, maybe not so bad, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, let's do some things. Let's set up some things where we can actually work with white people in some capacity. We can yeah. work with people of another racial group in some capacity and that was when they tried to kill him yeah same thing with martin who was just like all right you know i see racism is obviously a really big issue but it's not the only issue yeah. and so he tries to you know to tie his movement with like economic justice which then okay now i'm not just helping black people i'm helping people Everybody. poor people of all races yeah and that was when he got let's killed. get so him out like, of here right. <laughs> wasn't that around time the poor people's march or something that's like exactly that? when he was that was why he was in memphis when he got shot oh man so it's like all right the time as long as these two people are like at odds basically like only focus on like the black community but in different ways which causes the black community to kind of argue with each other yeah but the second, like, okay, both of them kind of are starting to, like, find, like, a common issue. Yeah. It's like, all right, yeah, we need to get rid Let's of Let's get them out of here. Hey, then you throw in uh, Fred Hampton, too, and they, yeah. he had some of the same uh, same philosophies, and they're like, hey, let's get this guy out of here. Yeah. This is this is posing too much of a threat. Uh, and I also, with Malcolm, it kind of goes to the same point about bringing so many people together. Uh, I really like the part where he was talking about the black people of, America really need to look to other people that are of African descent all across the world. And we need to unite as a common people. And this issue that we're going through right now, it's not a civil rights issue. It's a human rights issue. And you take this to the United Nations, then you have all these different people that are invested in this problem and helping it get solved. So when he said that, and then I I heard... uh, I think I was watching a YouTube video this one time, and it was uh, people saying, or the host or whatever, saying that the real reason why they started targeting him was because of this pan-Africanism that he was talking and preaching and saying, hey, we really need to come together. Then it's like, okay, we can't have that, so let's get this guy out of here. I think... No, you go ahead, you go ahead. To that point, I think something that I don't think a lot of African-Americans are like cognizant of and it's something I don't think about often it's like there are so many black people just in the world literally bro like there are much more black people than we give credit for being and a part of that is just like how we're taught about Africa yeah. that is basically just this vast wasteland uh, yes so like 10,000 people that live on the entire largest continent on the earth just live in huts yeah uh, not even huts bro they don't have yeah. huts <laughs> but like you know if all black people just in general, across across the whole diaspora, just like came together on anything, like we actually form a pretty solid majority. For sure. And so much could change, but like there's just a lot of different reasons as to why that that hasn't happened and a lot of different things going on there, but it'd be great if we could. I think the Malcolm quote, I think it is a Malcolm quote where he says, uh, we're not outnumbered, we're out-organized. I think Malcolm says that, and then that just makes sense. Like there are so many black people in the world, and he brought it up there are no other races where if you go to another place and they say 
hey, uh, I'm an African-American or uh, I am of this race or I am a, a French Jew or something like mm-hmm. if you're Jewish, you're Jewish. And with us, it's like we are African this like we're it's not one light skin together skin. thing. Yeah. yeah, we even separated that way, too. And I, I just don't get why we separate everything like there can be so many different complexions, so many different. Uh, categorizations of black the bourgeoisie versus the yeah, regular people like, all that stuff like bro if we all just came together and formed our own race i know race is a made-up thing but if we all came together it's like hey there's some real power here yeah, you yeah. know and then that, that's even malcolm talked he said he learned at a young age that if you want something you better make some noise so yeah. he used the example of just screaming for what he want but it's crazy that they implemented to the rest of his life and but going back to the africa thing that is a huge thing because i swear i was saying all the way up to i might even go a year and a half ago i was thinking and y'all i do not live under a rock just throwing that out here <laughs> i'm sure some of y'all agree with me i won't say it, but you do but <laughs> it's like uh i never thought of it like yo kings and queens i used to hear people saying that mm-hmm. and it's like but that actually is meaningful yeah. like instead of just being like y'all just the, the you know average you know we're kings and queens in your obviously your native land and just of the, the what you think of africa instead of it being like this place is safari and there's just so much poverty and there is some poverty mm-hmm. there but there also is i think akon has really opened it up too yeah. by explaining to people yo it's all right there in africa as a matter of fact he's trying to get more people to move out there yeah i think we were talking about me and you matt uh I definitely want to take a trip out there yep. very soon. Like that's probably going to be one of the first places I go internationally, just because you are relying. I, I say you, meaning me, like relying on other people's experiences yeah. mm-hmm. for your interpretation of a whole continent. And it's like at least experience that place before yeah. you say, "Hey, this place is just destitute. This is all this." Uh, and I, I feel like the media has or plays a huge part in our perceptions of Africa because all it is, I know y'all remember the commercials like where it's just literally uh, kids that are like bones pretty much. Yes, and it's like, oh, exactly. <laughs> feed, feed these kids in Africa. And it's like, why don't you ever show the parts of Africa where they're literally partying, partying yeah. all the time? Or it's like cities and stuff. Like I know it might not be as widespread as america like we are one of the richest populations in the country or in the world but you could show other places of africa that it's really good and things are doing well so and then with that then you'd have more people be like i want to go out there you know see it things like that it won't be so much as y'all we got to go out there and we got to make sure we donate some money when we go bring your money maybe we could build some school because you know education just isn't a thing over there yeah learning more and more how big of a power the media is learning more and more like you know you know came to usc i'm gonna get a mass communications major just okay let me go i did this so i can go and call some games but now i'm like yo there's a lot to be done in the media and it changes i guess the perception of things what they also is thinking about you know big dreams here so i was thinking yo it'd be dope to open an independent school you know probably private school so therefore if you have to pay a lot of money to go and then you have your own curriculum but i started thinking about it and obviously this is down the line speaking into existence though but you're probably better off, and I don't know how hard this would be to change the public school like system, because most kids aren't going to be able to afford to go to that private school to get mm-hmm. that better education. You really need everybody to get it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Not just the people that, have, that who can afford to do so. Yeah. It's like the, anybody, no matter where you come from, be able to go to your local public school. But how challenged do you think that would be to like, be able to change that, I guess, the curriculum? Actually, uh, the person who was in charge of the curriculum is an elected official. Okay. Uh, so first off, those of us that know our history, 
that's a position that we need to just start occupying. Mm -hmm. There are not enough black superintendents of school boards and stuff like that. Uh, so that's one way. Um, and that's probably the best way that I know. Also, I mean, it's just like, I know that luckily I had a mom who like, she didn't know everything, but she at least knew how to order a book off Amazon. Uh, <laughs> and so she, like, I can't tell you how many like, you know, black history encyclopedias she used to make me read. Really? So, yeah. And so luckily that's how I know, you know, the little few things that I do know, uh, just cause she, you know, made me read them. That's dope. Uh, hey, so, yeah. if my kid turns out like a Darius, bro, I might have to start doing that, bro. Start <laughs> planting, so start planting the encyclopedia in there from an early age, put it in their crib, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I also started to think about was, so a lot of times the kids can see, I grew up, mama was not listening to nothing but 95 point. That's a fact, bro. That's a fact. And it's, so it's like, but yo, if you were listening to some of that Jay-Z, some of that Nas, you actually were kind of getting tips there Literally. thrown at you. Whereas otherwise, I'm depending on specifically from education from a school book that's not really trying to empower you necessarily. So you're really better off if you can get some of that old school. Now, obviously not every song because there's going to be some stuff in there that, that makes this podcast rated R. But, <laughs> but it's like they're actually going to be dropping some dimes in there that, uh, you can catch and take a stride yeah yo when you said 95.3 that just brings <laughs> back so many memories bro i remember literally everywhere in the car yeah. is 95.3 uh we even had little radios in our house always boosting it but uh that's something that i told to darius man like growing up i never had like secular music in my house so yeah. all this stuff is new to me y'all darius has put me on so much music in the last like two months <laughs> it's crazy but it's, it's just funny you hear people say, oh, bro, you don't know about this song? I'm like, no, no. I do not. Like, y'all don't get it. It's not because <laughs> I didn't want to. My parents literally said, okay, Smokey Norfolk is it. Fred Hammond is it. Like, these are the people that you are going to listen to. So hearing that they have, like, some people like you just mentioned, Jay-Z, uh, Nas, all these different people that are talking about the culture and the experience, it's like, man i kind of missed out on that but peeping it now it's like oh i'm at an age where i can actually interpret this information and see what they're talking about so yeah. that's been cool no that's real so but the only time i had to further the story the only time i was in here we get your cousins yeah. and they play that joint like hey what's this and then, so you got to sneak and watch bet's 106 <laughs> in part to my cousin snitch tell me that's a different story for a different day but yeah yeah very important so it's always interesting because i i think i might have told one of y'all this but I got it all from when Jay-Z was talking to somebody in an interview. Y'all know I watch interviews all the time. So here's the interview with somebody, and the lady goes, what do you think of whenever you think of the CNN? And he thinks, he said rap music. And she was like, why would you think of rap music oh, when yeah. you think of CNN? And it was like, because the rap music tells our people, like, what's going on in the world. Yeah. And I was like, huh? And it's, you also find those guys do a lot of reading. Like, a lot of times the artists, depending on the artists, you know, yeah. you got a lot of these mumble rappers and stuff. But the guys that talk about content, they do a lot of reading and have kind of grown up, like, kind of understanding. It's different they can get it out to the masses where otherwise you may never caught it yeah and, and i think that's one thing this is kind of going off topic but it's been on my mind recently yo how come bet doesn't do anything beneficial like i feel like that's so much untapped potential there yes where yeah. it could really serve the culture in a really beneficial yeah. way. If I see Baby Boy one oh. more time. <laughs> ATL. I'm Literally. Baby Boy, waist deep. Medea's family reunion. All of them, bro. I swear. Literally. Like, and I'm not hating on those movies, but, yo, you could literally be promoting black cultural in a favorable sense. You, yeah. could, you could be a black news uh, segment. Oh, you boy. could be a black 
home cooking segment. You could be black home improvement. Like all this different stuff where you have all these creative people. You have the ability to show us in this light. Yet all you're doing is showing baby boy. I Come think on. to that point, BET is black run, but it's yeah. not black owned. Yeah. And I think that plays Ooh. a lot into it. Viacom owns it. Same people that own what, VH1? Yeah. MTV uh, or no? I don't think that TV, I, don't I don't think so. But yeah, a bunch of other channels too. Like, they basically control what goes on on this black entertainment television. So. Yeah, and and I know they have. Uh, I think they have a black woman like running it. I think I saw something about that. But it's like, do all we need to see is like movies that we've seen like thirty times? Like, yeah. I would yeah. love to hop on BET and it's like oh look at this black inventor that just made this or look at this uh business owner that does this and i just feel like there's so much potential there and it's literally been like this for all of my life like i i remember being <laughs> like 10 years old and only watching commercials on bet yeah. and maybe roll bounce is playing in the background and so i'm like hey shout out to roll bounce that was shout a great out. that was a great movie but y'all hear what i'm saying man <laughs> bet Y'all need to hire some more people to do some better things. Hey, get there's multiple talented people out here that would get the programming right mm-hmm. and show us in a great light. So please, please, please hire some talent that will do us a favor and project us in a good way. But I think the flip side of that, from what so I remember, BT was never like great. But I remember growing up, you know, Disney Channel was like woke AF for yeah. a little bit because you know you had shows like The Proud Family. The only reason I really know what Kwanzaa is is because of the Proud family. Yeah. Uh, that's a Raven, the one where she, uh, the, she was trying to go for that job and then a white woman said she didn't have yeah, to. Yeah, I remember, I remember that, that one, yeah. Uh, Kim Possible even had like a black people episode. Yeah. I, don't, I hate to call it the black people black episode. People. <laughs> but I mean, you know, kids shows like that, especially on Disney Channel, like actively taught people about that stuff. And yeah. we were too young to really like fully grasp, you know, the importance of it. But like they still did it versus BET. Medea. Yeah. No. Hey, they're they're gonna push Medea down your throat. Also, I know I know you're not gonna listen to this, but it, if this somehow reaches your ears, Tyler Perry, <laughs> please hire at least just one writer. Please, Tyler. One. That's all I want you to do. Hey, maybe, maybe we have to say Mr. Perry for Mr. Perry. Mr. Perry, please, bro. We need more movies than the script that you've been putting out for <laughs> 10 years now, bro. We need it, bro. We need it. You've got this big studio. You've got this large land. Please do something with it, bro, and hire some more writers. To the cleaning lady at Tyler Perry Studios, <laughs> the Mad Libs that he uses to write his scripts, just burn it. Please. Just turn the camera off real quick and just do what you got to do for the culture. <laughs> They got to do something, man. But that that's a whole podcast for it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're we going to have to dive into this BET thing. Tyler Perry. Hey, maybe they can do something together and come up. But <laughs> We're going to go ahead and throw Oprah in there, too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there, there's so many different. Yo, own. Don't get me started on those. <laughs> the, ha- one that could be yo, the haves and the have-nots, man. Yo, yo, hey, it's kind of... Bro, it's your dad's... Bro, my, <laughs> my family... Dog, they, my family records it religiously. Yeah. It doesn't go back and watch it, but records it. They don't miss it. And it's like, what are you guys looking for? Like, it, it's just not for me. But, hey, that is neither here nor there. We can go off all day about BET, about the haves and have-nots, <laughs> all this different stuff. But we're going to wrap here. Uh, it was a good episode. Great episode I did. We, we got into multiple different things, but if you were offended, we didn't mean to offend you. Yeah, if you are offended, uh, uh, we're sorry for that. But 
I think that's all I got. Y'all got anything else? Uh, thanks for listening. Hey, keep listening. Tell your friend. Tell your neighbor. Tell your baby mama. Always, tell your stepmama. As always. Wait, wait. Before we go, definitely leave a review. If you have any questions, put that in the review and say whatever you have to say. And, yo, maybe we could, like, read it off uh, on certain episodes. That would be pretty cool. Like, hey, yeah, if you have any ideas, any recommendations, any questions, put them in the review. Uh, leave a leave a five star with it, and then we'll read it on the pod. Uh, definitely want to shout out some people, so do that for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, I would just say you know thank you for the support thus far. Uh, just hearing y'all's the feedback y'all have already given us Facts. is amazing. Thank you. Uh, y'all been showing us a lot of love, uh, and it is not going notice. Uh, we appreciate you so 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 much. Uh, just keep it coming. For sure. That's all. All right. This is another episode of the Dominate the Decade podcast. Thank y'all for tuning in. Peace. Peace. Like a hundred fifty difference. That's a Richard Millie Moe plane. I say five bricks if we want to talk in codes. I'm trapped. It's like I heard the streets talking to me. I'm really, really trapped. Doors closed, nowhere for me to go, nigga. I'm really, really trapped.